Let's find our place. Grab your Bible. Remain standing. Uh, turn with me to Proverbs chapter number 31. Proverbs chapter number 31. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Can't think of anywhere else I'd rather be. Uh, most of you remember last week we got about halfway through, uh, halfway through our lesson. So you were supposed to bring your notes back. That was the last word you received, all right? Uh, but I, I rarely remember stuff like that. So if you did not get a lesson last week, or maybe you forgot to bring it back, we've got a few. Uh, that, so if you need a lesson, raise your hand. Anybody need a lesson, raise your hand. Now you won't admit it for nothing, will you? Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, we've got extras now. Make sure I want you to get them if you don't have them tonight. All right, raise your hand. We've got Now, William. They ain't got pictures in these notes. It's just all words. Okay, all right. Hey, Buchanan, William needs one down here. All right, you're out right over here, Brother John. The little short guy. All right, there we go. All right. Amen. Isn't it good to be saved? All right, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. We're going to read in Proverbs 31. Uh, this is this is the chapter about the virtuous woman. This is the description God gives of a godly woman. We covered the men last week. Uh, guys, you remember two things, two things basically that we find all through Proverbs about the men. You need to understand that your wife is a favor from God. She is a blessing from God. He that findeth the wife findeth a good thing. Say amen. And, and because of that and understanding that and believing that and knowing that, we are to treat them that way. We are to treat them like they are a gift from God. The second thing we found out is that, that God really, really expects faithfulness from us men. Say amen. Faithfulness. Faithfulness and purity. Faithfulness and purity. Keeping our eyes right. Keeping our mind right. Keeping our thinking process right. Uh, faithfulness and purity. But not only that, faithfulness and provision. We have a responsibility to take care of our families. He that provideth not for his own is worse than an infidel. Say amen. amen. So that's our, that's, our, that's our job. That's our responsibility. And, and so we began last week, uh, or actually we ended last week, dealing with some of the uh, character, characteristics of a godly woman found in Proverbs 31. So let's just start there, verse number 10. Proverbs 31, verse 10, and then we'll... Uh, we'll we'll uh, get started here. I've got some extra stuff I want to do when we get to the parenting part. Uh, I don't know that we'll have time to do it tonight. I may do it on a separate deal, but hopefully we'll have time. All right. So let's look Proverbs thirty-one verse ten. If you found your spot, say Amen. amen. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She worketh or seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her, hand, her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yet she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. 
Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be what? Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Father, thank you, Lord, uh, for everything. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for uh, peace and hope and joy. Uh, thank you for all the provisions of salvation. I, I pray now that you'll help us as we study tonight. Uh, give us what we need. Give us clarity of thought. I pray, God, that you'll help me help them. And, Lord, I pray that we'll just work together to learn to be what we can be for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. All right, you may be seated. As a review, we'll go over the first four uh, on page number two of your notes. Uh, uh, we covered the first four, so let's just go over them in review. First, we find in verses 10 through 12, uh, she's a woman of character. She's a woman of character. Number two, we find in, in uh, verses 13 through 22 and verse 24, she's a woman who isn't afraid to work. She's not afraid to work. She's not a lazy person. She doesn't sit around and, and, and watch uh, soap operas all day and, 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 and eat bonbons. Say amen. She's not afraid of work. She's not afraid to be busy. Uh, number three, uh, verse 20, we find that she's a generous person. She's not stingy. Uh, she looks at the needs of others. Uh, number four, verse 23, we find out that she makes it easy for her husband to do his work. He's known in the gates. He doesn't have to worry about what's going on at home. He doesn't have to worry about other needs so he can focus on uh, doing his thing. Number five, let's look at number five. Verse number 26, where we are tonight. It says, she openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. So in verse 26, we find out she's a teacher of wisdom. She's a teacher of wisdom. She certainly teaches her children the wisdom of God, especially the daughters. Uh, and we'll read this in Titus uh, uh, in just a second. But uh, she is there preparing them for their time when they will be, have their own homes. It's likely that she also shares her insights with her husband. And he's wise enough to listen. Remember that earlier in the book, Solomon used a beautiful woman to pers personify wisdom. This godly wife does the same. Uh, number six, she is an attentive overseer of the household. Now, while you're writing that down, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Titus chapter number two. She is an attentive overseer of the household. She isn't idle, and nothing in the household escapes her notice. Whether it's food, finances, clothing, or school lessons, uh, managing the household is an exacting job, and she does her work faithfully day and night. Any husband and father who thinks that his wife has it easy should take her responsibilities for a week or two and discover how wrong he is. Amen, men. I don't want that job. Amen. I don't want, I, I, let me be the man. Amen. Listen, Titus chapter number two says this. Now, what are we reading? Oh, my goodness. What are we reading? The Bible. This is not a trick question. Y'all know I'm too dumb to give y'all complicated questions, all right? 
Uh, what are we reading? The Bible. How many of y'all know that the Bible is not politically correct? Okay? Now, you got to understand that. you got to understand the Bible is not politically correct. But the Bible does endure to all generations. And no matter what time it is, no matter what age it is, no matter what year it is, the Bible's right. The Bible's right. It's, 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 uh, uh, it's not always going to go with the grain of the culture uh, because the culture doesn't always do what it's supposed to do, but we always have to fall back on the Bible. Are y'all with me? Uh, because some of the stuff we're going to read is just going, oh my goodness, don't you realize we're in 2013? Yeah, don't you realize the problems we have in 2013? It's because we're not going with the Bible. It says in verse number 3, Titus chapter 2 verse 3, the aged women, the aged women have a responsibility. What is that? That they may be in behavior as becoming, becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now, what does that mean? Uh, as, as the older women have a responsibility to teach the younger women. I, I've heard people say, you know, nowhere, nowhere in the Bible does the, the Bible command uh, uh, women to love their husbands. It does say that the men are to love their wives, but it doesn't command them. But that's not true. Right here it teaches clearly. It teaches clearly they have a responsibility to love and care for their husbands. Now, a keeper at home. The word keeper means guard. Say that with me. It means uh, a good housekeeper, but pre basically it's the word guard. In other words, she guards the home front. Uh, she guards uh, the things that are there and the responsibilities that are there, and she cares for the, the direction of the home. Now, in, in the next one, uh, number, number seven, number seven, we find not only is she a teacher of wisdom, not only is she an attentive overseer of the household, uh, now, let me say this. Let me say this. Let me back up because I don't want to get ahead of myself because I need to address this. Uh, in the time we're living in, there are uh, uh, I, probably the majority of, of ladies working outside the home, working outside the home uh, because of economic reasons for whatever, uh, whatever the reasons that are there. But that does not negate the responsibility in, in the, the way God wired you. God wired men to be a certain way, and God wired women to be a certain way. Men think one way, and women think one way, and it ain't the same. Do I have a witness? All right. Men think logically and practically. Ladies think emotionally. Men are like Joe Friday, the facts, ma'am, just the facts. Are y'all with me? Now, uh, and, and because of that, because of that, we, let's, let's go back. Let's talk about this a minute it's while we're here. Amen? Uh, women's lib. Women's lib. Let's make everybody equal. Let's make everybody equal. All right? Uh, one problem with that is not biblical. The second problem with that is it won't work because we're not the same. We don't think the same. We don't act the same. We don't. It's it's not working. So what's happened is 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 now we've got men in society acting like women, and women in society acting like men, and 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 the kids are so confused they don't know who's who. 
Men have become more feminine. Women have become more masculine. And there is total confusion and chaos in the home. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. No matter how your work arrangement is, you're still wired to accomplish a a responsibility in the family. Are y'all with me? So however it works, however you need to work it, make sure you understand there's things that your husband can only do and there's things, ladies, you can only do. And we need to make sure we understand that. Uh, uh, Men are rough and gruff and... and, uh, ladies have the nurture in 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 that area and when you try to mix that it's it it becomes a problem it becomes a problem and and don't ever listen to these liberal people on tv telling you that uh uh two men can raise a kid just as good as a, a husband and a wife that's crazy and i'm not gonna get on all that but uh, uh at this moment i'm not gonna get on all that but are y'all with me uh, let's look, let's, let's, I'm going to, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. This is the stuff I want to get to. Uh, number seven, number seven, number seven. She's a woman worthy of praise. Verses 28 and 29 says this, her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Verse 29, many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. She's a woman worthy of praise. It's a wonderful thing when a husband and children can praise the wife and mother for her faithful ministry in the home. The suggestion here is that this praise was expressed regularly and spontaneously and not just on special occasions. It's tragic when the members of a family take each other for granted and fail to show sincere appreciation. The father ought to say, uh, set the example for the children and always thank his wife for what she does for the family. He should see uh, in her the woman who surpasseth them all. Number eight. She's also a woman who fears the Lord. And this is important. This is important. I want you to turn me uh, with me to 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. <coughs> 1 Peter chapter number 3. In, in Proverbs, while you're turning there, I'm going to read our verse in Proverbs. In Proverbs, we're in verse 30. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. Beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Now, what is that saying? That's saying this. Outward beauty is not all there is to it. Outward beauty is not all there is to it. Uh, Sometimes, especially in the culture that we live in, we really emphasize that. I mean, that is really marketed, and we really emphasize that, almost to the point of an impossibility of a fantasy land. Say amen. But here's what, here's what God says. Here's what God says. In 1 Peter chapter number 3, in 1 Peter chapter number 3, it says, Likewise, ye wives, now, now, now stay with me. What are we reading? All right, just make sure we're on the same page here. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. That if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Do you, do you hear what kind of powerful statement that is? What is that saying? That's saying, ladies, you have, you have the kind of influence and the kind of power to bring your husband to Christ without bringing him to church. 
that they may without the word be one. What does that mean? Uh, without them getting under the preaching or the teaching of the gospel, you can lead your husband to Christ with the influence that you have by your behavior in front of him. That's how much influence you have in his life. Now watch what it says. Let's keep reading. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, who's adorning, here's, here's where we're, we're, we're going to get our teaching, who's adorning, in other words, the outward decoration or the decoration of your person, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and the wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. Now, uh, some people some people say uh, th- th- you shouldn't wear makeup, you shouldn't wear jewelry. I mean, people take these verses to the point, and, and, and so there are people that, that in, in certain denominations that don't wear any makeup, any jewelry, anything of that nature, but I don't think that's what that's referring to. I don't think it's going to that extreme in that way. He's trying to make a point, and I think when people do that, they totally miss the point he's trying to make. He's saying what should be the most valuable part of you should not be what's on the outside. It's what should be on the inside. Because, you know, because he, he says he uses the phrase that putting on of apparel. Now watch, watch. But let it be, let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. See, all this is on the inside. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Wow. Wow. Now, I want to... I want to dig into that just a little bit more. Uh, but before that, ladies, I want to help you with that subjection thing. I want to help you with that. And I mean seriously, I'm not making a joke about that either. Because, you know, in, 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 in logical thinking, uh, it's not hard. It's not hard to follow or submit to a good leader. It's not hard to submit to a godly man. I mean, a, a great, strong leader. Uh, But what if your husband's a goober? What What if he's a jerk? What if he's a jerk? What if he's a mean guy? Hmm? You see, when we read the Bible... And we make these statements and we preach these points. We've got to understand all the guys out here ain't Billy Graham. Now they ought to act like him, but that's not reality. There's couples in here whose husbands beat their wives. And you shouldn't. And you better hope none of us men find out. Y'all with me? But that's that's probably reality in, in the world we live in today. It would probably shock you if everybody knew what all happens at home with everybody. Probably probably would. So when we use these terminologies and we say, hey, we're supposed to we're supposed to submit to our husbands, you know, that's a that's that's with some that might be easy. But with most, that's not going to be real easy. And then we, hear, we, we see these verses that's given here, and I'm glad he did, and I think he did it on purpose. Look at the example he gave. Look at the example he gave. Verse 5, for after this manner in the old time, the holy women, what kind of women? 
also who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Now watch the example he gave. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. You say, but he's Father Abraham. Do you know he acted like a weasel? They go down to Egypt, and she's a good-looking woman, and he's afraid for his own life, and he says, baby, just say you're my sister. I mean, we as men should give our lives for our wife, and he's saying, hey, you just tell him you're my sister. I mean, he's, he's willing to let them. Are y'all with me? That's a jerk, man. Any way you look at it, that's not. The, the picture of a great husband that I can imagine. Are y'all with me there? But the Bible says, Sarah subjected herself to him, submitted to him, calling him Lord. Now, when I first started reading that, ladies, and I promise you I'm going to help you right here. I'm going to help you. I didn't get that. I'm like, how did she do that? After... What he did, how was she able to do that? I mean, really. Are any of y'all wondering that too? Watch what it says. Watch what it says, verse number five. Verse number five. Let me tell you how she did it. How was she able to follow and be the godly person she's supposed to be, regardless of what he was? Watch what it says. For after this manner, verse 5, for after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who, that's the key. Her trust was not in Abraham. Her trust was in the God who she was following. You see, nowhere in the Bible does it say follow him or, or treat him like you're supposed to treat him if he acts like somebody. Y'all with me? Because I've heard, I, I've heard several ladies say, well, I tell you what, if he had, if he had started acting right, I might, I might, I might. I, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible gives, the Bible gives, the headship in the home, and, and the Bible gives the line of authority that works right, and, and regardless of how they act in either one, men, no matter what she does, you're supposed to be what you're supposed to be. No matter what she does. Ladies, no matter what he does, you're supposed to be what you're supposed to be. Well, how do we do that? Both of us have to trust God. When you can't trust your spouse, you've got to trust God and do what you're supposed to do regardless of what the other does. Amen? Watch this. Go back to verse number four. Go back to verse number four. We're talking about, we're talking about that, that meek and quiet spirit. We're talking about, you know, the Proverbs said beauty is vain. It's not all about the outside. She was as beautiful on the inside as she was on the outside, probably even more, and that's what made her so beautiful. Now watch what God says in verse 4. But let it be the hidden man of the heart 
in that which is not excuse me in that which is not corruptible even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit say that with me even the ornament or, or the decoration even the ornament of a are y'all with me now hold your hand there and hold your hand there and go back to proverbs we're going to flip over here now I want to show you something I want to show you something now now what are we describing a godly woman what are we describing? One that the Bible said is, is precious to God's own heart. It says, in the sight of God is of great price. Now, let's look, let's look in Proverbs chapter number 7. Let's look in Proverbs chapter number 7. We see a different kind of woman. We see a different kind of woman. Now, the one that we read in, in Proverbs 31 and also in 1 Peter chapter 3 is the godly woman, the holy woman, the woman who in God's sight is of great price. Now watch this. The Bible says the godly woman has an ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Now, over here in Proverbs chapter 7, it's talking about a harlot. It's talking about a harlot in verse 10. It says, And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. Now, verse 11, say it with me. She is... She is, okay, the holy woman is meek and, and the harlot was totally opposite. What are we reading again? Okay, just making sure you understand. Do you know who, I, when, I, when I picture somebody loud and stubborn, do you know what gender I usually imagine in my brain? Men. Men. Because the most loud and stubborn people I've ever known has usually been men. And when I imagine somebody meek and quiet, the gender that comes first comes to my mind is a godly woman. Now guess what we've done? And so when I say we, I'm talking about the American society, the world itself. And 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 we think that's we think that's funny. We laugh at someone. Oh, she's just she's just that. No, what what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Boy, if we could get back to following the Word, it would it would transform all of our lives. Say Amen. She's a woman who fears the Lord. Fears the Lord. It's wonderful if a wife has charm and beauty. The possession of these qualities is not a sin. It's a blessing. But the woman who walks with the Lord and seeks to please Him has a beauty that never fades away. The man who has a wife who daily reads the Word, meditates, prays, and seeks to obey God's will has a treasure that is indeed beyond the price of rubies. And all the men said. Amen. And guys, same for you. That, that's, that, that, is, that is a description that your wife should be appreciative of in you. Are y'all with me? Amen. Boy, it's, it's quiet tonight. Amen. Verse 9. Verse 9. She is a testimony to others. Verse 31 says, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. It's her testimony. 
Her husband and children acknowledge her value and praise her, but so do the other people in the community. Even the leaders in the city recognize her good works and her honor. God sees it to, uh, to it that this woman who faithfully serves him and her family is properly honored, and certainly she will have even greater honor when she stands before her Lord. This beautiful tribute to the godly wife and mother tells every Christian woman what she can become if she follows the Lord. It also describes for every Christian man the kind of wife for whom he ought to be looking and praying. But it also reminds a prospective husband that he'd better be walking with the Lord and growing in a spiritual life so that he will be worthy of such a wife if and when God brings her to him. Let's look at parents and children. Parents and children. Uh, men, let's take, let's take from the last point, let's be faithful. Let's be faithful. Ladies, let's be godly. Let's be godly. Uh, if we both do those things, I believe that, that, that our relationships with each other could drastically change for the best. Say amen. All right, now, number two. <clears throat> number two, parents and children. Parents and children. In ancient Israel, a Jewish husband and wife would no more consider aborting a child than they would consider killing each other. Their philosophy was what the Bible says in Psalms 127. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. To them, marriage was a bank into which God dropped precious children who were his investment for the future. And it was up to the father and mother to raise those children in the fear of God. Children were rewards, not punishments. Say that with me. Children were rewards, not punishments. Opportunities, not obstacles. They aren't burdens. They're investments that prove, pr produce dividends as, along with the, the basic necessities of physical life. What should the godly home provide for the children. Now let's look at these three things. I'm probably, hopefully once we get to see, I'm going to give you a little bit of extra stuff that goes with this. We may have to just write it on the back of the, of the blank page in the back, all right? Uh, first off, in, in, in uh, your notes, I want you to write this down. The first thing that we can and should provide for our children, parents, is an example. Write that word down. Example. And that's probably the hardest. Because we like to tell our kids, do as I say and not as I do. Are y'all with me? But that's not good. That's not good. Uh, Proverbs 20, 20 verse 7 says, The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Always remember, they're coming right behind us, guys. British statesman Edmund Burke called example the school of mankind. And its first lessons are learned in the home even before the children can speak. Benjamin Franklin said this, that example was the best sermon, which suggests that the way parents act in the home teaches their children more about God than what the children hear in Sunday school and church. Oh, my goodness. Underline that. Underline that. Benjamin Franklin said the example was the best sermon, which suggests that the way parents act in the home teaches their children more about God than what the children hear in Sunday school and church. I can't tell you how many kids that I grew up with. I can't tell you how many kids that I've seen come through church and, 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 and all kind of things, and they were in church. Now, this is, this is back in the traditional church where you went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, Wednesday night, and, and, and all of these nights, and they never missed it and turned out complete heathens. 
So, oh, well, they, it's, it's what they uh, uh, got at church. No, because there's other kids that, that they got the same amount of church and the same amount of Sunday school and the same amount of Bible. But what happened is, is the parents wouldn't take what they got at church and home with them. So, so six days out of the week, six days out of the week, they were taught something. And then that one day couldn't counteract those six other days. And we think, we think we can live like hell at home and come try to talk about heaven on Sunday and think our kids are going to turn out right. That ain't going to work. Because kids don't do what we say, do they? I, some, of y'all, some of y'all have heard this story, but I'm going to tell it again because it fits right here. When I was in, in South Carolina, I was a pastor in South Carolina, and they had a big deck on the back of the parsonage there, the pastorium. And uh, my dad, uh, he came up on 4th of July one year to visit me. And uh, it was when he was still pastoring in, in Florida. And uh, he came up to visit, and uh, he said, man, he said, we're going we're gonna to grill out steaks. He said, he said we're going to get us a grill. I didn't have no grill, so he went and bought me a grill. And uh, a gas grill, I'm talking about brand spanking new, brought, brought that gas grill, uh, went and bought and had them cut the steaks. Y'all with me? Cut them two inch thick. I mean, it was going to be party hardy. Say amen. Man, I was so jacked up and excited. This was great. But the only problem was, is, uh, and, and we lived in a real little town, uh, Barnwell, South Carolina, and, uh, and, and, and it was 4th of July and everything was closed. And we didn't have no propane for the grill. We went everywhere we could go to try to find propane for that stupid grill. Got the steaks, got everything, but no gas. I said, this is great. So we thought and thought. I said, man, I got it. I got it. I got a plan. This is going to work. I took all of the gas parts in that grill, in the bottom of that grill. I took all them out, and I had charcoal. And I filled the bottom of that baby up with kings for charcoal. Say amen right there. And I had a little, I'm talking about I had a fire shooting out top of that thing. I was proud. It got down red, glowing like it's supposed to. Man, we cooked them steaks. We was in hog heaven. I'm talking about it was great. We was kicked back on the recliner just chilling out because I cooked the steaks and just shut the top of the lid. And, and, uh, and, and, and I don't know if you know this or not, but you can't put charcoal in gas grill. It got so hot. Those coals got so hot, and I guess the, the, the bottom is just designed different. It melted the bottom out of that gas grill. And the coals, and the coals fell out of that thing and hit the wheel and melted the plastic wheel, and it fell over and dumped coals all out on the porch while we're taking a nap. My wife. Comes to the door and looks out the door and says, baby, is the deck supposed to be on fire? I said, what? I jumped up. I couldn't believe it. Oh, my God. Put it out. Things on fire. Burnt holes all in the deck. My dad, I said, I said, man, I said, what are we going to do about this grill? He said, we'll take it back. Really? We'll say it malfunctioned. I said, Gad, there's no gas in the propane. No propane in the tank. What are we going to tell them? Anyhow. 
<laughs> Y'all really think I make this stuff up, don't you? I was out there, I was out there on that deck, and I was, I was, I had to fix it, you know, and I was sitting out there, and I was taking the boards up, and Becca, Becca, she was, she was a little old bitty thing in diapers, and, and uh, she's always running around in a diaper, and uh, I was out there, and I was cutting the boards, and I, I'd take my tape measure and shoot it out there, and, and I was measuring it up, and then I'd take it, and I'd put it on my hip, and I'd, I'd cut the board, and I'd go over and put it on there, and I, I did a couple, and she, I just, she just kept watching me. And uh, about that fourth or fifth board I was getting, and I, I shot it out there, and I measured it, and I just set it down. Instead of putting it on my hip, I set it down on the ground, and I cut the board, and, and I was over here putting the, putting the board in. I, was there. I turned around and looked, and when I turned around and looked, Becca had went over there and grabbed that tape measure on her diaper and kept doing like this. <laughs> she had seen me put that thing on the side of my hip, and what was she doing? Have you ever seen have you ever seen a little kid go in mom or daddy's closet and come out walking in their shoes? It's, it, it is what it is. The number one thing we can give our children is a good example. I don't care what you get at church. What example are they getting at home? Because it's not how much church that you take them to. It's how much church you take home with you. Amen? B, we need to give them a good example. We need to give them good instruction. Instruction. Proverbs 1 verse 8 says, My son... Hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. The book of Proverbs is primarily the record of a father's instructions to his children, instructions that they were to hear and heed all of their life. Proverbs 19.27 says it this, Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. The man who deliberately, one we read in, in chapter number 5, when we were studying chapter 5, the one who went into the adulteress and uh, was destroyed, this man who deliberately walked into the trap of the adulteress did so because he ignored what his parents had taught him. Proverbs 5 verse 12 describes what he said. How have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. As we get older, it's remarkable how much, how much more, I, and I say this all the time, the older I get, the smarter my dad was, Amen. How, how more intelligent our parents and teachers become. The Bible is the basic textbook in the home. It once was the basic textbook in the educational system. But even if that were still true, the Bible in the school cannot replace the Bible in the home. Many modern parents sacrifice time, money to help their children excel in music, sports, and social activities. And I trust that they should be more concerned that their children excel in knowing and obeying the word of God. Let me say this, there is, a, there is an idolatrous behavior in, in, in this country, and that's sports. Now, nobody leave here and say, I'm anti-sports, because y'all know I'm a rabid Gator fan, and I love football, and I love, I love all sports. I like going and watching it, and you name it, I'm all about it. But it can become idolatry. 
It's amazing to me what I have seen parents do when it comes to these little kids. They, 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 they try to make Tiger Woods out of, out of a little four-year-old and all kind of other things with sports. And you know what I did? I, look, I researched this. Do you know that only 2% of all college athletes ever make it to the pros? Only 0.08% of high schoolers turn pro. But you know what we do? We try to relive our life through them. And I've seen kids out there didn't even want to be there. Didn't even want to be there. And the only reason they were there because their parents made them be there. And if you do that, shame on you. You cannot relive your life through them. Now, whatever you want to do with sports, that's great. Whatever. But if they can get to 16 years old, if they can get to 16 years old and they can throw a football to, to Molten, Just thought where I'm at here is that way, ain't it? Amen. And if they can't tell you where the book of Matthew is, you failed. Well, I tell you what, I don't believe in I, I don't believe in, 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 in pushing religion on them and making them uh, uh, making them do you make them brush their teeth. I'd rather my kid not have a tooth in his head and go to heaven. Y'all with me? We have a responsibility, but I'm afraid our priorities are all messed up. Y'all with me? Instruction. Give them good instruction. Then see, love and discipline. We got to hurry. We got to hurry. We're going, we're going, what we're going to do, I've got some stuff that's going to go with a parenting deal. And, and, and uh, let's do that, and we'll, we'll finish up the friends next week, all right? Uh, loving discipline. Many modern educators and parents revolt against the biblical teaching about discipline. They tell us that spare the rod and spoil the child is nothing but a brutal prehistoric practice that cripples the child for life. But nowhere does the Bible teach blind brutality when it comes to disciplining children. The emphasis on, is on love because this is the way God disciplines his own children. Proverbs 3.11 says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Do we know more about raising children than God does? Uh, that's right. That's a good answer. Discipline has to do with correcting character faults in, ch in a child while there is still time to do it. Better the child is corrected by a parent than by a law enforcement officer in a correctional institution. Say amen. Now listen, what a tragedy when children are left to themselves, not knowing where or what the boundaries are and what the consequences of rebellion will be. I may be wrong, but I have a suspicion that many people who can't discipline their children have a hard time disciplining themselves. If you want to enjoy your children all your life, start by lovingly disciplining them early. The Bible says, Proverbs twenty nine fifteen: the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Now, I want you to do this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you some extra stuff tonight since we're on this topic. Turn, I think on the very back of your last page, there's a blank area. On the back of page number five, on the back of page number five, I want you to write some down. There's three stages of parenting. There's three stages of parenting for three stages of child development. And we've got to get these right. 
The first stage, the first stage, if you're taking notes, the first stage is this. Newborn to five years old. That's the first stage. Now, while you're writing that down, I want you to, I want you to understand something. What is the purpose of parenting? What is the purpose of parenting? It's for the benefit of the child and to develop in the child the character of the parent. It's for the benefit of the child and to develop in the child the character of the parent. Now, that, that, that says a lot because if we want them to be a good person, what do we have to be? If we want them to be a godly person, what do we have to be? You're going you're gonna to put in them whatever you are. And if you don't like you, you need to change you before you get them. Amen? Now watch. Now watch. Here we go. What's the problem with parenting? The child is a sinner and, a, and sin seeks to control your child. Watch what the Bible says. Psalms 51.5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. What does that mean? I arrived broken. We all came as a sinner. We didn't have to lie to be a sinner. We didn't have to steal to be a sinner. We didn't have to kill to be a sinner. We were born a sinner. And sin desires to control your child. So we have to help develop that child. Now watch this. Watch this. Newborn to five years old. This child by nature is undisciplined. The child by nature is undisciplined. And I put in parentheses, out of control. Out of control. When they get here, they're broke and out of control. When your children get here, they're broke and out of control. Sin seeks to control your child. Uh, how many of y'all seen an out-of-control toddler? They're out of control, and that's, what, that's, that's the way they come. So don't get upset at them. That's the way they come, all right? Now, they're out of control. Now, what do we do in this stage? What is the practice in this stage? The problem is... The child's out of control. The practice is this, training. The Bible says, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. At this stage, we practice training. From newborn to five years old, we practice training. Now, what is, what is training? Training is imposed discipline. Training is imposed discipline. What are you doing? You are getting the child under control. Here's a mistake that many parents make with children. They try to begin the stage teaching in this stage. You cannot teach an out-of-control child anything. If they're out of control, you can't teach them anything. This, this is not the stage for teaching. This is the stage for training. You are getting them under control control this is the stage where they learn what no means y'all with me this is a stage where you are getting them under control now what are the two elements of training the two elements of training is punishment and reward and praise punishment and praise punishment and praise the two elements of training is punishment and praise they need to know what no means they need to know what doing wrong means. I, I, listen, uh, they have to associate wrong with pain. That's the whole purpose of the rod. They need to understand when they do something wrong, it will cause pain in their life. And you do it early. We'll talk about how early. Punishment and praise. Now, here's a problem I had. 
Here's a problem I had. I did very little praise, and, and, and the punishment was there when it was needed. But you never write a punishment check without making a praise deposit. What, what was going on? The only time my kids were seeing me is when they'd done something wrong. And when, when all they got was corrected when they did something wrong, then they built up resentment and rebellion because they never got praised when they're doing something right. You should do this. You should always practice catching your kids doing something right. Did you hear what I said? I didn't say catch them doing something wrong. Catch them doing something right and praise them. Should be seven, seven to one. Seven praises to one correction. So well, I'm behind. We'll get to it. Because if they know and understand that you completely love them unconditionally, when you correct them, they're not going to hate you and then rebel against you. Training, it doesn't say raise a child, it says train a child. From, from birth to five years old, you're training them through praise and punishment. They learn what no means. They learn what come here means. They learn all, and you know what? This is second nature to people above the age of 40. Am I right? I've never seen anybody, I've never seen anybody that grew up when, from, from 40 years old and up. I never one time at my generation, was there ever been any counting going on? I never seen anybody in my generation. Now come here, little Johnny. Come here. One, two. No, 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 no. The only count was how many licks you was getting. Are y'all with me? <laughs> What's the result of failing in this stage? The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. I can't tell you how many times I've been in public places and been plumb embarrassed for a parent because of the way their kid was acting in public. Are y'all with me? Don't get upset, y'all. It gets better. All right, when do we discipline? When is it time for punishment? When is it time to discipline? When your child is old enough to willfully disobey they're old enough for discipline. And let me say this. You don't discipline your child for spilling his milk. Because you'll spill yours. That's not what, discipline has never been for that. Now, I've been corrected for stuff like that. And let me tell you something. I, and I'm ashamed to say this, but at the moment, I hated my parents for that type of correction. Because I would see something in them that was hypocritical. Because I got a whipping for something I saw him do. So what are you saying? The correction should only be for willful disobedience. And by the way, let me say this too, just as a precursor here. Uh, if you don't know how to correct your child right without brutalizing them, you don't even need to. If you think it, if, 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 if tears don't come to your eye when you have to correct your child, uh, something might be wrong there. 
I'm not for child abuse. I can't stand child abuse. And, and listen, correcting your child is not child abuse. And if you don't know the difference between that, uh, you need to get more help than I can give you. Are y'all with me? But there is correction that's necessary. You're teaching your child. You're getting that child under control. The whole time between birth and five years old, you're getting them under control. They understand that you mean what you mean and you say what you mean. Now, don't say it if you don't mean it. Don't say, I'm going to, if you're not. Because it don't take them about five seconds to know you're lying. Let me say this. Let me say this. Man, we need some more time. Here's what happens with most young people. Here, here's what we, we say something, but we don't mean it, and we don't do it. And we just keep, now I'm telling you, now I'm telling you, and they just keep doing whatever they're doing. I, I, don't make me get, I'm, I'm going to get, hey, and they know then. And then that's when they will act. Because they know you're really not going to do it till you get to that. It should never be that way. It should be this. Son, if you don't put that down, you're going to get a spanking or you're going to get the correction, whatever the correction is, and then immediately, immediately. You don't count because they're going to push you to whatever they know they can get away with. Amen? Now, at this stage, we're getting them under control. Now, the key to this training, guys, you got to get this. The key to this training is consistency. In order to be consistent, you've got to be there. Parents are letting everything and everybody train their children, and we wonder why they're going astray. You cannot let a video on TV train your children. We have, we have taken and used Barney videos to babysit our kids, and we wonder why they're acting the way they're acting. In order to train them, we have to be there and we have to be consistent. Now, let me say this. Before I give you the second stage, if we don't get this one right, you can't go on. Because the next stage is about teaching. And if they're not under control, you can't teach them anything. You have to get them under control with imposed discipline, with training. What are the two elements of training? Say it with me now. Punishment and praise, all right? Now, let's move on to the second stage, quickly, quickly. This is six years to 12-year-old. Six year to 12-year-old. At this stage, the, ch the child is under control. They're under the parent's control. Are you all with me? They arrive out of control. You impose training. You get them under control. Now you can begin the second stage. Between six years old to 12-year-old, this is the practice. The practice before was training. The practice now is teaching. Now we are instructing the child. In other words, in other words, when they're little bitty things and, and, and they're like just little old bitty things, they're going to try you. They're going to just keep asking why, 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 why. They're not wanting to know why, and they can't really understand what you're trying to teach them. They just need to know you say yes or no. But at this stage, you can begin the in, in instruction. You can begin the explanation. You can begin the things that you need to teach them because now they're under control and they are ready to receive what you have to give them. Now, training is correction. Teaching is communication. This is where we spend a lot of time talking to our children. Training is correction. 
Teaching is communication. Deuteronomy 6 says this, And these words which I command you this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Proverbs 4, verse 1. Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. You know what Solomon is saying right there? He's saying, I'm teaching you what my father taught me. And at this stage is where we can really communicate with them and teach them the things that they need to know to have a successful life and have a great life. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Because now they're under control. They're not this out-of-control toddler. They are now under control. Now, at the end of this stage, this is great right here. You're going to love this. At the end of this stage is when they are in control. You see, when you get them from birth... To, to, to five, they're out of control, you impose training, you get them under control. Now, while they're under control, that's the parent's control. That's the parent's control. They're not in control yet. In control means they're, they're controlled without you being there. Y'all know the difference? Under control means while you're there, they're doing what they're supposed to do. But they're not quite yet in control. That means they're doing what they're supposed to whether you're there or not. But at the end of this stage, by 12 years old, they should be at the place where they're in control. Now, that means they're going to act right whether you're there or not. In control. Now, watch. What is the purpose of this stage, the second stage? To develop proper reasoning and an appetite for truth. To develop proper reasoning. In other words, determining right from wrong. A good understanding how to make decisions. And an appetite for truth. At the end of the first stage, the child is under control. He is, there is imposed discipline. But at the end of the second stage, 12 years old, 12 years old, we find that he is in control. Or he is self-discipline. Self-discipline. Now, what example, what example do we have of that? How about Jesus in the temple, confounding the wise. Being able to communicate back and forth in a mature manner. By the time they're 12 years old, they should be able to sit down with you and have an adult conversation. I've seen college students that can't do that. You know why? <laughs> they're still out of control. Say amen. Third stage. 12 years old and up. 12 years old and up. At this stage, the child is now in control. Not just under control, but they're in control. You've taught them properly. And now they're able to make wise decisions about things and, and things in their life. Now, does that mean they're, going, they're not, never going to make a mistake? No. Does that mean they're never going to mess up? No. But they have got a great foundation. Are y'all with me? Now watch. 
in the, in the first stage, we practice training. We practice training. That's correction. In the second stage, we practice teaching. That is communication. Now, in the third stage is where we practice touching, and that is communion. Now, what does that mean? It's not necessarily talking about physical touching as much as you're touching their heart. It is at that stage where you can really sit down with your kid and be able to have a heart-to-heart and be their friend. You know, the problem is, is we've got parents trying to be the toddler's friend. And that don't work because they're out of control. And then even in, in a way, we try to be their friend in, in, in from 6 to 12, and that's not really good yet because they're not really in control yet. They're still under control. So they still need discipline. They still need structure. They still need that imposed training. But there comes a place when they get to the age where you can sit down and really, not that you don't enjoy them all the way through, but enjoy them in the point where they're having adult conversations with them and communicating and communion, fellowshipping. Now, <clears throat> what's the purpose? To develop a proper relationship with the child and the parent. Watch what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 10. Proverbs 10 verse 1 says, The Proverbs of Solomon, a wise, watch what he says, A wise son maketh a glad father. A wise son maketh a glad father. But a foolish son is the heaviness of a mother. John 8, 29 says this, He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. That's Jesus' relationship with his Father. The Bible says in Luke 2, verse 40, And the child grew and waxed strong and filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Let me go back to Proverbs 10, 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Let's understand that discipline is not wrong. I don't care what Dr. Spock said. I don't care what what Dr. Phil said. I don't care what Oprah says. I don't care what any any other writer says. God's word will stand true regardless of the generation or society. And I promise you this, when, when, when does parenting start? The day they get here. I've seen so many parents just let things go and let things go and let, for whatever reason, whether they was too scared to train, whether, whether they just was too busy or they didn't take the time or whatever, and they waited till the kid got to 12 years old or 13 years old. Then they tried to go back and impose discipline. And all that did was result in rebellion. Because, get this, rules without relationship equals rebellion. Amen? That's extra credit. I'm not charging you anything for that, all right? Um, four minutes overtime. We got to quit. We got to quit. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to the last 
point next week, all right? Uh, we'll talk about friends, friends and neighbors, friends and neighbors. Don't forget, hey, don't forget uh, this coming Saturday night, 5 o'clock, uh, let's get connected. If you're not in a life group, please come. We're going to have a great time. Uh, Brother Buchanan's going to sing with a karaoke machine solo. <laughs> solo, you can't hear him. Amen. Yeah, that's, that's not going to work. Amen. That, we're not going to do that. We're not going to torture nobody that way. Amen. Uh, uh, okay, okay. We'll go ahead and say No, I'm just kidding. All right, let's all stand. Let's all stand. We're going to dismiss and, and thank God for a good day.